Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. Hey guys, I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. And we are taking you on an uncharted journey through the marketing industry, tapping into our network and sharing some stories. But before we do that, we wanted to get a chance to introduce ourselves. My name is Emily. As I mentioned, everybody calls me Ferg. My last name happens to be Ferguson. So most of the time you'll hear Daniel call me Ferg or Fergie or Fergie Ferg. I am originally from Indiana. I went to Indiana University. So go Hoosiers. I studied sports broadcasting and ended up taking my first job in Tulsa, Oklahoma, working for a WNBA team. I somehow got out to California because I wanted that big market feel. I worked for the NFL for two seasons, ended up kind of stepping into a foray of different jobs from startup to agency work to kind of consulting. And actually, I start a new job on Monday. So still kind of staying in the social media and marketing field, sort of my bag. I've been doing it for about 10 years now. It's crazy to think. So it's definitely my passion, but it's fun to kind of step into new industries and kind of learn the ropes there. So I will pass the baton to you, sir. Tell the great people about yourself. Yeah. So I'm Daniel Murray. I was actually born in South Africa and I immigrated here when I was seven. So I don't really have an accent. And people always ask me that question. I started my journey because actually... My mom was an entrepreneur, so I always wanted to get into business and marketing because I saw her growing up, like started some successful companies. So I decided to start the journey and it led me to one thing in our family. My family is one were sports and one were business. So I started down the sports route first, got a scholarship to the University of Cincinnati, played there for a couple of years, transferred to the University of San Diego, ended my career there. What really was the biggest flip is I went to this tech company called Qualcomm and I was like, I love tech and I love marketing. Let's like get into this. So I was out of college, looking for a marketing job, which is super hard for people coming out of college. It's crazy. I found this job at a consulting company that did Salesforce consulting. And I got the opportunity to learn marketing automation. And I had no idea what marketing automation is. But it was my first dive into marketing. I learned I became certified in a marketing automation called Pardot. I had to get out of San Diego because San Diego was just super slow. And I moved to LA, which was probably one of the best decisions of my career. I moved to a startup in LA where I learned a ton about marketing. And that's where I met Fergie over here at a company called Snack Nation. Well, we had one of the best marketing teams I've ever seen. We were surrounded with such great talent and we were so small, but we moved so fast and we were so innovative. It was crazy. And that's where I got my real love of marketing. Like I learned direct response from the CMO there. I learned marketing automation from my manager, who was amazing. Shout out to George Hoffman. I learned paid from an amazing paid guy named August Noble. And I decided to keep growing my career. I went to Oracle. I'm not going to talk about Oracle much because I don't do big companies. Then I moved to another startup called Chow Now, 
ran their marketing automation. But I always found this love of like just marketing in general. Marketing automation is cool because you can dig into so many different parts of the business, but and help so many parts of the journey where you can come from top of funnel all the way down the funnel. I had a good ride there, learned a lot of from my boss there, the VP of growth and my coworkers there. And I decided to take the lead to service Titan where that's where I currently am. I love service Titan. So many smart people, so many good ideas there. This is one of the best decisions I've made. And that's my journey so far. You're also becoming quite the presence on LinkedIn, which has been fun to watch that kind of evolve. So marketing definitely is kind of strong in your background, strong in my background, which is sort of how we decided to come up with this idea to sort of share not only our knowledge and evolving insights in the industry, but also our network. You kind of touched on two great people that I also had the privilege of working with at Snack Nation that sure enough, we'll, we'll see if we can get on their calendars and get them into the marketing millennials to kind of share their knowledge too. So tons of great guests coming down the pipeline. We don't want to give too much of that away. But how are you seeing a shift in marketing from when you first started to sort of where you are today with Service Titan? Like what are kind of the big takeaways that you at least have learned and how you're kind of applying them today? The one thing that I I thought like there was like these hacks to marketing, like you have to like I got in there and I was like, oh, you can hack growing an audience. You can hack getting customers. But what I quickly learned is there is not really a hack. You actually have to put out valuable content to build an audience. You have to actually like engage with the audience. And now more than ever, where mm. our attention span is like so short, like cutting through the noise, you have to provide value. You can't just go and say like, yeah, I'm the best company in the world. Let me request a demo from you. Or I'm the best company mm-hmm. in the world. Buy my product. And I've learned that from my years of like being in marketing is like you got to create quality content for your audience that resonates with the, your audience. Mm-hmm. And every company I've been in, we've created these audiences for niche people. And another big thing yep. is becoming very niche. Like you have to create content for that niche. You can't go broad on marketing. There's a book, Positioning, everybody should read, but you should definitely find that niche and you should definitely like capture it as small as possible. And that's going to require sacrifices in your audience. Like mm-hmm. it's going to like, and a lot of marketers make this mistake. They go out and say, oh, I'm going to capture this big audience. But actually like companies like DoorDash starting, they go and they start in San Jose and they like, they didn't go and start DoorDash and say, I'm going to take over the whole country all at once. They just started in San Francisco, learn San Francisco. Amazon started with just books. Companies like that just started very niche and then grew out of it. So being niche is another thing. I'm going to turn it to you because you've had a way different experience than me. You've been in sports, you've been in yep. startups, you've been in big companies, small companies. I wanted to say something really quick about sort of the element of building audiences. Something that I have seen evolve in at least the last seven years of like I've worked in professional marketing, but I mean like professional sports to kind of the more evolved sort of state of marketing in the last five years. Kind of in in this range, I've really seen a shift 
of obviously audiences still exist. But when you're developing content around an audience that you know of, you really end up building this community. And the community is continuously coming back because they're seeing the value in that content. And so I've almost shifted my terminology so much anymore to really kind of hone in on what that community is. You're having so many learnings come through, whether it's your social channels or your blog, or even just your email. You're able to really start to see what they're looking for, what their repeat questions are, what's missing gaps. I mean, sometimes it's about what you're not doing versus what you are doing. And, you know, having those candid conversations, making sure that you're sending out surveys consistently, making sure that you're listening and showing that action. It's really what allows a audience to develop into a community. And it what is what sets sort of those members in that community at such a high regard for that brand. I mean, I as you mentioned, have dabbled in the sports world for over 10 years. All throughout college, I was working for the Big Ten Network. While I was there, I was learning all facets of an actual broadcast. So I was getting in front of the camera. I was behind the camera. I was running fiber optics up and down assembly hall. Whatever it mattered, I was gripping on the floor for camera operators. I was doing whatever I could to kind of learn the industry. And I think having that scrappy mentality has really carried through my other jobs. I mean, when I took my first job out of college, I was wearing four different hats for a professional sports team in a city I'd never lived. And I'll tell you what, I think the best thing that I learned from that wasn't so much about depending upon my skill set, which obviously that took a really valuable part in being able to have a successful season and a half there. But I leaned on those that were from that community and really spoke to them to understand what they wanted from an experience at our games. My role there was actually game entertainment manager, but I was also their digital marketing manager and traditional marketing manager. So I was running social media and I was running traditional marketing media. Talk about a learning curve. But you know, once you're kind of pushed into it, you really get the chance to figure out your strengths. And I had a lot of things in me that I guess I didn't know, but really it kind of boiled down to tapping into the people that were there to kind of show me the ropes that had experience. I didn't really know what I was doing in certain things. And this lady named Marlene Libaday, to this day, she is the queen of Tulsa. If you ever go there, you have to like allow me to text you her number. She actually works for the Tulsa Regional Chamber, which just makes so much sense. But she is such a people person and she really listened to what what they liked, what they didn't like. And as a community, we were able to kind of develop an entire ecosystem around our WNBA games. We made it family friendly. We represented the community in so many different ways. Having Indigenous Day brought in was one of the most fun experiences of my life. I learned so much, but also getting to kind of show off sort of what made that localized area it, it, it set our t- ticket sales up for success. I mean, it was really fun. We had a, we had a decent product as well, which didn't hurt. So, you know, I traded that in though after about 16 months and I moved to Los Angeles and talk about a different market, completely different style of business. It was crazy. I mean, we're creating content. We were producing about 200, 300 pieces of content a day alone. Like you were literally sitting there and scheduling content every 15 minutes. Completely different audience. I was writing to males instead of families and women who were following basketball. I was now writing to middle-aged men who loved football. And it was a completely different 
tone of voice, completely different look and feel, but it really allowed me to kind of take on the ability to be nimble with my content. You have to be flexible if you're working in marketing as a whole. You know that. You can't kind of rest on your laurels. What works one day isn't going to work the next month, let alone next week. You know, you really have to kind of be willing to test and learn and understand that something that seems so great may just fall flat. And what are you going to do? Cry about it? No. You've got some product to sell or whatever it may be, some fun to be had. So, you know, creativity is one of my favorite things. How do you stay creative? Yeah. Just going back onto one point too that oh, yeah. you're making. I think one of the keys of marketing, and you said this, you're all experience is getting to know your audience, like deeply understand your audience. And that's like the two key points I got out of both your experiences. Like in Tulsa, you had to like engulf yourself in that community, understands mm-hmm. their wants, their needs. You can't, you couldn't just push like, oh, we're the best basketball team, like come see us. You actually had to be like, why is this going to be beneficial for the community? Why is this and for NFL? Like you had to like go and deeply understand like, what makes men so excited about football? Like, why do they watch football? Like, is it like... Do you want to know what I learned? I'll just be happy to tell you. One thing that Mm -hmm. helped when I was in Tulsa was we brought our mascot out to events. So we ended up like, we had all these requests that I was fielding to like, oh, can we have our, our... your mascot show up and they had been very strict about not letting him go anywhere. And I'm like, why? We have like a three month season. Let's send him out to bigger events that fit within our niche. So big community cookouts. There were great high schools with talented, oh my gosh, I wish I could bring them to LA. Ridiculously talented high school bands, dancers associated with them. They were unbelievable. And that was really what got the community out. And then insert our mascot. He's doing backflips through this entire procession for this community. Now that community wants to come to our games because it's a summer activity. It's also hot in Tulsa. So I definitely promoted the fact that air conditioning was on full blast. <laughs> yeah, and that's then- funny. And then in the NFL, really what we noticed that was what we were craving was that niche marketing. Okay, sorry, this is going to go against what we know, but that niche like male audience, it's not changing, but they were really leaving out a ton of that younger audience. And really it had kind of broken down to two different things. They were writing content from a it was owned NFL content. So there was such a professional approach that was being taken each time someone was writing or each time that those social posts were being created. It weren't, there wasn't a lot of playfulness within it. It was very metric driven. And so, and I mean metric as in like statistically driven. So we started to kind of think critically around, okay, there's this need for internet speak. There's a need for internet voice and conversation. And so we started to get really creative. I actually was a part of this, my second season, a part of this team called with NFL Now. It doesn't exist anymore. It has been actually completely transformed in what everyone knows as the checkdown. And the checkdown is exactly what I just alluded to. It is very internet speak. It is what the audience wants. It is fun. It is trendy, but it doesn't dilute the actual knowledge and power of the NFL and their, their product and their players. But it shows them in a light that you wouldn't have seen five years ago. It's showing engagements and proposals. It's showing their personal life mixed with gaming, what their hobbies are, adding some creative twist to it. So again, it is really fun to kind of, you know, figure out your audience, but kind of convert them over to a consistent community that's constantly telling you, giving you those insight, those golden nuggets of, hey, why not try this? What about this? Yeah. And I constantly think evolving. I think also what you were saying is like niche is good when you start, but like 
once you start learning your audience, there are other audiences out there that you could tap into. It's good they started with like those men that were like middle-aged men, but like, there was like younger kids that are on social media that probably men weren't like digging into as deeply. But going back to your other question about creativity, the way I stay creative is continually consuming content. Like I think that's the key to be creative. Like I deeply just go deep in marketing books. I go deeply listen following influencers marketing. I go deeply in listening to podcasts about marketing. And I honestly believe like no idea comes out of nowhere. It comes okay. from somewhere and you need to connect dots from other things. And like in every company I've came in, and that's why moving to different companies have helped me a lot with this. Was yes. because, because I got like ideas from one company that I brought to another company that I brought to another guy and it connected dots where there were gaps. Like, and mm-hmm. I, if I didn't have that prior knowledge of that and I didn't consume stuff from other places, I would not have been as creative as I am now. And inherently, I am more of a creative person. That's why I got into marketing. Like, I love being creative. I used to like sketch stuff. But when I was a kid, like, I used to get in deep into like sketching, like artwork and stuff like that, which you probably don't I know. I did not know that. No. But I used to be just like, I, I just like that kind of stuff. And I just think, the more you consume, the more you grow. And there's a book by Alan Gannett that people should read that says that like these big creative people didn't con- their ideas didn't come out of nowhere. Like the the founder of Netflix, he worked at a video store mm-hmm. and just consumed like consumed videos all day. And like that's how he got his like knowledge of being creative about in video because he watched tons of different types of video. Like, and that's how you have to be. Like I consume tons of different types of marketing. My ideas don't, and I admit this, my ideas don't come from just my own brain. It's like, it comes from all the knowledge I've gained over time. And I'll take it over to you. How do you become, stay creative? It's crazy. I've always been an athlete. Like, so creativity wasn't ever my thing. I'm not good at singing. I'll dance. I'll dance for sure. Music allows (laughs) creativity to like come out. I have solo dance parties, especially if I'm feeling bummed. It just allows kind of that creative juice to, get back in. I'd also say I read a lot of articles, books. I'm getting back into a lot more. So you've already given me three suggestions of ones to tap into. That's for sure. But creativity for me is I'm constantly consuming. But when I'm consuming something, I'm thinking in real time, how can I adapt that to what I'm doing right now? Here's like my best example of a recent experience to stay creative. I'm basically working with a new audience that I have not worked with before. So I will... How do I say this? Our new audience is more of a luxury client. And they have not really engaged very much with them. So they strictly would be an audience right now. They have about 250,000 followers on their primary social account, which is Instagram. They use Twitter pretty heavily too, which Twitter is on a research and I love it. But I saw a Macy's commercial. It came up as like an ad when I was watching something on my computer. And you could just sense a youthfulness, but it still had an elegance to it. And so it's kind of interesting to sort of take screenshots. Yes, this is what I do. Screenshot and start to have an inspo kind of board or folder. And so I'm already drawing parallels into what my creative visuals look like around it. And it's funny, it's kind of all very cohesive. It all seems very similar. And I think creativity for me starts inside. And then as I start to see other people express it, I start to kind of draw those lines, whether it's from music or advertisements. I love scrolling through magazines. I've always loved reading materials. One of my best friends from 
back home in Indianapolis, or actually I'm from Greenwood. So shout out Greenwood. Back home in Indy, they used to save me all of their magazines because they knew I loved to go through them. I was in college. They would do this for three years. Anytime I would come home, they're like, Hey, we've got a stack of magazines for you. And it actually was something I did when I was even younger at my grandfather's house. He would have time in National Geographic. And so I definitely have this creative outlet with photography and I have a creative outlet with social media and actually writing. I love creative writing. I love actually photography and utilizing that to tell a story through social media. So I don't know, it is constantly evolving, but it really boils down to constantly consuming. And I guess for me, I try not to only consume digital. I really try to consume some of those more traditional mediums still too, because they, especially billboards, billboards are another big one for me. I will stop and take a picture of a billboard if it resonates. And if there's just learning things that I can pull from it that to me spur even more creativity. So that's how I feel creative. You brought up two amazing points there that I think we should bring to life is that, Mm. and famous copywriters have said this, like the best, the best is one, you call it your inspo board, but like a swipe file, like good Mm -hmm. marketers have swiped the best ads, swiped the best copy, swiped the... Because things are borrowed. Yeah, like, and it's, it's for the inspiration, like, I think every marketer needs to have a swipe file of stuff that they can have for inspo, whether it's literally a pot, a folder for like magazine stuff, like you said, or in a digital one where they put on a Google Drive or something like that. And the second point I think that you brought up a good point is magazines and newspapers are underrated they are the best at understanding people. Like they, that's their job. And like, if you look at the headlines there, they're intentionally to grab, even though some of them are clickbaity and some of them are like mm-hmm. trying to like be like some of those magazines. But if you go and study magazines, like you will learn a ton about marketing and ton about people. And the key, key to marketing is people. Like that's yeah. the end of the thing is learning people, like learning what drives them, what behaviors, whatever, anything about people dive deep in what makes it is the decisions. And I love that you brought up those two points because I preach that to people. It's neat. Creativity is what keeps me in marketing. Honestly, if I didn't have the opportunity to express creativity to still drive bottom line, I don't know, like what would I do outside of marketing? Like, can I even think of it? I would probably be a fitness coach. Like, I think that if I weren't doing marketing, I would probably be a yoga teacher. Pilates has become my thing, especially during quarantine. But I I don't know. I love people. It still boils around people. I want to be around people. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, you you're definitely the ideal people person. Like, yeah, And I can contest that. Um, you want to know? Oh, wait, really quick. Fun fact. I think the people thing started out... I always say this. I have a twin brother. And so I always said I am, have never been alone in this world. Like ever. Because he actually was born first. I'm the baby by two minutes. So... I definitely think that I have this. I've never been alone. I've always been around people and I I love it personally. But what would you do if you weren't doing marketing? That's interesting. So I wish, I mean, this would be my dream and I know this would have been your dream too, but like, I wish I, I could have been like playing sports the rest of my life. And I know that was your dream too, but I didn't. People also say I would be a good masseuse, funny enough. Really? Um, actually, Ari just hates getting mas- massages. Like she's like, what is that? Not but yeah, like that's what I I think I would be. Um, but really, like I wish I could have played sports longer. But actually, like 
I played football, loved it, played college football. But if I had my dream, and this is one thing you should learn about like younger people is like, you got to double down on your strengths. And I knew my strength, even though I was a good basketball player, I knew I couldn't go farther because of my height. So I mm-hmm. took a different path. Like, and I wish I could have been a basketball player for longer. And I know you're a basketball player too. So, oh, yeah. but marketing is not a bad choice. No. We're going into. Yeah. I sports was always my favorite. And I definitely thought that that was my path until probably my senior year in high school. I realized that if I was going to spend four years playing sports and fully dedicating myself to it, why couldn't I learn and fall in love with something that would essentially be my career? And so it actually opened up a lot of doors because I still played competitively, just intramurals. Finally, my fourth year, my senior year, we won, we won uh, the championship. Victor Oladipo actually came and watched us play. It made us feel so good. We had the support and we sealed the deal. That I will never forget that. I had a girlfriend who stayed for, I forget. She's now a doctor. Her and her wife live in Michigan, but they were, they stayed for a fifth year and one. So we held on to that title two years in a row with the same team. I would have played sports, but I would 100% have never had the opportunity to work with the Big Ten Network, to host a kid's show that I won two regional Emmys with, to kind of understand that sports marketing was what it was evolving into. Because this was like 2012, not to age myself, but 2012, 2013, this was like social media's kind of foray into, hello, welcome to the marketing world. So honestly, timing is everything. And I think It was a tough decision to kind of stop actually playing sports, but it still is ingrained in everything I do. And it's kind of crazy because like, I think like, like life, like being younger, like life, you have to try different things because if I didn't get my internship to Qualcomm, I probably wouldn't have like learned my passion for marketing and technology. Like just trying different things is what like, actually got me to see what I like in marketing, got me to see what I like in general. Like if I didn't get another an internship and I didn't take that leap or I didn't move to LA, like I would my path would have been so different and I'm glad it ended up I, I ended up taking an internship between my junior and senior year in college out in LA just to see if I could if I liked the city. I didn't even live here yet. And honestly I didn't even get a job right after school out here thought it was going to happen. They ended up placing me in Tulsa. And it was one of those things that I accepted the challenge. I really thought that I was going to start out in Los Angeles and there was a different path for me. And you know, to this day, I don't think I would change that, but it felt like the end of my end of my life at that point. I had no idea that I would actually ever be able to get back out to LA. I really thought I had doomed my chances for lack of a better term. And you know, things have a crazy way of working out when you want it, don't they? And I wanted LA. And you know, what's funny is I ended up that summer that I worked at Staples Center. I worked for the Sparks in Los Angeles. I met some of the most amazing people. I'm still friends with them. But more importantly, I met my fiance. He worked for Staples Center and we actually get married in September. So fingers crossed we get married in September. But (laughs) it's crazy how things work out, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that is an insane thing. Like you came out for a little, and your story behind that is pretty interesting. But yeah. We can talk about uh, marketing forever, which we will. Yeah, yeah, get ready. There's going to be some great marketers on here. And 
we have some great guests to be lined up and they're all going to be fun, interesting. And I'm excited to learn a lot. And I hope you guys are going to be excited to learn a lot. Why do you think people should tune into a, our podcast? Oh, I think that your perspective and my perspective are different. And I think our backgrounds are different. And I think the people that are in our network offer an even different experience and insight. And so I think what at least separates us apart from others is, you know, we have a diverse background, we have diverse skill set, we have a diverse network, but we're all still kind of kind people that are not afraid to share what's really gone on behind, whether in their journey or what goes on behind campaigns, what goes on in really just an authentic inside look. Like, we have nothing to hide. We're not we're not benefiting off of anything in this. No one's paying us for this podcast. And I think there's there's a freshness about what go what what we're looking to bring to light. I think even just talking about starting a new job, you know, a lot of times you're speaking to people that have had years of experience at the same company. We've hopped around. I mean, even though we've hopped around from industry to industry, those insights and that knowledge extends to our network as well. And I think it's just a beautiful place to kind of have conversations where we may not all be on the same page, but we're still sharing our experiences for those that can relate. Cool. Yeah. And I I honestly think that like, for me, I think if you want to gain some value from an, an authentic, no fluff, no BS type way, like we're going to give you a real, we're going to tell you exactly our experiences. We actually, I don't mind admitting my like failures. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you I have failed. I know Ferg, we both had our failures yep. and we just want to, honestly, we wanted to start a podcast because we wanted to provide value and learn from others in the marketing community. We just wanted to build this community in an authentic way. We were not profiting off of this. We're not we didn't we're not doing it for the money we're just doing it to learn we're doing it to grow and we're doing it to provide value yes yes we are and also to have a little fun i mean why not share some fun especially this day and age i feel a little fun is okay to be had (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah cool well that should wrap it up for today any last words fergie I am so excited to get to know anyone that decides to stick around for our exciting podcast. I know getting to know your host maybe isn't the most exciting, but I'm eager to meet you guys. I'm eager to get to know your thoughts on our ever-changing industry and you know how I can be a resource. I think I think this is going to be fun, but this is also going to be powerful and hopefully helpful. So And where and, could where could everybody follow Fergie if they want to get some of those insights? Well, I am at Emmy Ferg on Twitter. I am at FergieFerg28 on Instagram. I am public and open, so you won't have to request. And I am at Emily Ferg on TikTok. So you can see some cute little videos of my cat, Calvin, and the beautiful sunshine of Southern California all over. So don't forget to tell people where you're at too. Oh, and I'm on LinkedIn. But don't forget, my last name is Ferguson with an A, F-E-R-G-A-S-O-N. So I can't wait to connect that, you guys there. I've definitely made the mistake before spelling Ferguson wrong. Um, <laughs> I have to admit, for regular social, Demer 68 on everything. Try to keep it consistent. And then... <laughs> and... All right, you did. Like then Daniel Murray, but if you want to go... If you backslash it, it's in Daniel-Murray-Marketing. Whoop, whoop.
All right, guys, until next time, be good to yourselves, all right? <laughs>